please remain standing for the scripture reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to the Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. What an amazing morning. We've had a little bit of everything today, haven't we? I mean, we, we, we had uh, acolytes and, and we had uh, a, a wreath commemorating Memorial Day, which we uh, were celebrating today as we remember those who've, who've passed uh, serving their country, making that ultimate sacrifice. We've had our children leading us in worship. We've sung hymns, ancient and modern, all as a reminder of the goodness of God. So thank you for all that has gone into this service today. Well, we're beginning a new sermon series here at Pittman Park called Coming and Going because uh, in the next few weeks and months, you're going to be coming and going a lot, I would imagine. Coming uh, to church and then going on vacation, coming into work and then heading back out to play. Uh, That's true for me as well. Um, As soon as service ends today, I'm hopping on the road to head to Tifton to attend our annual conference here for South Georgia. And then on Wednesday, I'll fly out to Boston to be a part of their annual conference to see how God is moving uh, in the northeastern part um, of the United States. And then from there, I'll fly uh, over to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to be a part of the Louisiana annual conference. I'm going to be coming and going too, friends. Stephanie will be here um, tending to you and ministering to you. If you have any needs, please feel, call, feel free to call the church office or call our cell phones. Um, but we're all going to be coming and going this summer. And it's going to be an exciting time to be together as followers of Jesus Christ. Well, this week, as I was sort of thinking about all the coming and going that's going to happen, I was thinking back on on what it means to be the church and to see the church operate and and move in so many different ways. And it reminded me uh, of a leadership lesson I learned probably 10 or 15 years ago when I was reading a lot of business leadership books. This This little thought goes like this. It's a principle. It's a fascinating little statement. It says this, that the success or failure of an organization is directly proportional to the relevancy of its mission and its ability to remain focused on that mission. So the success or failure of an organization is directly proportional to the relevancy of its mission, how much that mission matters, and its ability to remain focused on that mission. In other words, to not only do something that matters, but to stay focused on that which matters. Many of you who are in the business world know that this is true. You can attest to this, that mission statements matter, that they help focus us and direct our work and direct our energies. One of my favorite companies to read about is the Coca-Cola company, and and they have a mission statement too. It goes like this, to refresh the world and make a difference. And you thought, I thought you just sold carbonated beverages. 
No, their, their mission is, is not just to sell sugary carbonated beverages. Their mission is to refresh the world and to make a difference. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you have, of you have heard of Coca-Cola? Okay, all right, all right. How many of you love Coca-Cola? Yeah. How many of you love Pepsi? I'm closing my eyes. That was just a test. It's just a test. Yeah, you all know what Coca-Cola is, right? Coca-Cola is so focused on their vision and it makes them incredibly successful. Did you know that 97% of the world has heard of Coca-Cola? 97% of the world. That 74% of the world has seen a can or a bottle of Coke. And that 51% of the world has actually tasted Coca-Cola. The company's only been around a little more than 100 years so how in the world did Coca-Cola make such an incredible impact on the world? How is it that a carbonated medicinal drink invented in Columbus, Georgia in 1885 take the world by storm? How did that happen? It's because no matter what happened, they stayed focused on their mission. And when they forgot their mission, they corrected their course, didn't they? Do you remember New Coke? And we're not going to talk about that, right? Coke saw the problem and corrected their direction. They know what their mission is to refresh and to make a difference. They make TV commercials to remind you. If you go to the, the World of Coke uh, Museum, Coca-Cola's logo is plastered on everything from, from milk cartons to serving platters uh, to forks and spoons and knives to giant signs and small signs so that no matter where you could look in the world, you would always see Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola has made such an impact on our culture that it even impacts the way we see Santa Claus. It's no coincidence that Santa Claus wears red. 1931. Google that later, parents. So now you know Coke's mission statement, to refresh the world and to make a difference. But do you know the mission of the United Methodist Church? If you will, take out your book of discipline, turn it to paragraph 120, the mission of the United Methodist Church is this, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. To make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That is a defining statement about who we are and what we are supposed to be doing. In fact, our mission statement here at Pittman Park is making disciples and transforming the world. Because we want to know what it is we're supposed to be doing and who it is we're supposed to be reaching. If there's one goal that our church ought to have or ought to be striving toward, it's to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It's to bring people with us on our journey of faith to help them become members of the body of Christ who make a difference in the world. But how do we do that? How do we make disciples of Jesus Christ and where in the world do we do that? Well, Jesus tells us in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, Jesus says we make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded us. Now there's two parts to that commission. The first is about baptizing. That means bringing people into a relationship with God, showing people how they can be freed from the power of sin and freed for life that truly is life. 
It's about helping them become a part of the community of faith, the body of Christ. And friends, that begins not with a plan or a program, but it begins when we commit to share our hearts and our lives and our faith with the people around us. It begins when we show genuine concern for those we see day in and day out and seek ways to treat them with love and dignity. So that by our actions, by the way that we live our lives, they might come to know the Savior that we know. That they may come to know Jesus Christ. Jesus says that they will know that we are Christians by our love. They will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love. People will be drawn, not just to us, but to the one who can truly heal them. And give them life that truly is life. So the first part of living out the Great Commission is the baptizing part. But then there's the second part of it, right? The first part is inviting people into a relationship with God. The second part is teaching them to obey everything Christ has commanded us. You know, a lot of churches are really good at the first part, at at baptism. They're really good at helping people find that relationship with Jesus Christ. I can remember being at a revival when I was in high school, and 75 of my friends um, were baptized. And at the end of the revival, at the end of the revival, they were no better. They were just wetter. They were left at the altar with no plan for how to grow, no plan for how to mature in Christ. They were left at the altar, welcomed into the family of God, but with no plan for what happens next. Friends, that's not good. That's not okay. Because we're not just called to baptize people into the faith. We're called to teach them how to be disciples of Jesus, to mature them in their faith, so that as they go out into the world, they too can share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus is very careful here to make us understand that being a disciple is about more than just baptism. It's about more than just a one-time commitment. It's a lifetime of learning and striving to grow closer to God in every facet of our lives, every area of our lives. That's what discipleship is all about. It's about helping people grow in their relationship with God so that they can begin sharing their relationship with God with others. That's how disciples are made that transform the world. So where do we have to do this at? To tell you the truth, it's not Africa or Asia or even South America. It's wherever you go during your day. We can begin making disciples wherever we are at. That's what Jesus, in fact, tells his disciples to do. If you look back at the text in verse 19, the way it's translated commonly is this way. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In English, we read that and we say, okay, time to pack up and go to some far-off land to evangelize the people there that have never heard the gospel. And that may be true for 1% or so of us, but for the vast majority of us, for the vast majority of us, we need to hear this slightly different translation of this passage. The Greek here reads this way. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as you go. Now that little change of wording makes all the difference in the world because I don't believe that every one of us has been called to be a missionary in some far-flung land. 
But I do believe that you and I have been called to be missionaries wherever we happen to be. Because we're called to be disciples who make disciples, who baptize, and who teach. Every single one of us is commissioned for this kingdom work. So no matter who you are, you've been called to make disciples as you go. As you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to the store, as you go to the copy machine, as you go to watch your kids or your grandkids or your nephews play sports or dance or sing. As you go about your day-to-day business, as a disciple of Jesus, you are called to invite people into the family of God and to teach them how to live as Jesus' disciples. Friends, God has called us to share his love with the world, to share his grace with the world. But how will the world ever know unless we tell the story, unless our lives are transformed and we share that transformation with the world? God has called us to make disciples who transform the world, and he gives us the gift of Holy Communion as a way to be strengthened in that task. One of my favorite parts of the liturgy that you're going to hear in in just a few minutes is called the epiclesis. Now, if you say epiclesis um, right before lunch, that's that's the word for prayer, the blessing. Um, You can say, let's have the epiclesis at lunch today. But the blessing of the elements is called the epiclesis, and that prayer goes like this. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. That's all of us. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. Now pay attention to this next part. That we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. That we might be the body and blood of Christ, that we might be Jesus' hands and feet in the world, that we might become bearers of the gospel to all the ends of the earth because Jesus is with us as we go. Friends, the mission of God has been committed to us. And our success as followers of Jesus, our success as a church, will depend on how tightly we cling to the mission of making disciples. There are 10,000 distractions out there in the world. There's 10,000 distractions out there in the church. But Jesus has called us to one thing, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that he has commanded us. My prayer is that we might keep our focus on our mission so that God can use us to reach the world in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the mission that you have given us. And we pray that you would forgive us for those times when we have taken our eyes off of what matters most to you. People, hearing the gospel, having their lives transformed, and being sent out to be messengers of the gospel to the places they go. Lord, strengthen us for the journey ahead. Remind us of your great love, that we might share that love with the world around us.
This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.